You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save that Would you join me for a word of prayer? Lord, you have revealed yourself to us in your Son, Jesus Christ. And by his affirmation of the Old Testament as your word, in the consecration of the New Testament through the Holy Spirit, you have revealed your heart to us in its sacred words. Bring us to a right understanding of what you teach therein, and make us ever more faithful to him who is forever our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It was the best of times... It was the worst of times. Probably one of the three most famous opening lines of a book in all history. The opening lines of Charles Dickens's A Tale of Two Cities. It was the best of times because the revolution declared it to be so. The French Revolution, by its rhetoric, was the common people rising up against their aristocratic oppressors and casting them down, that liberty and fraternity might forever rule the day. But during the Great Terror, as Madame La Guillotine took the heads of so many, only 20% of those who were executed were from the aristocratic class. Most were common people who had simply offended a neighbor and the neighbor took this opportunity for revenge. But still it was the best of times if you listened to the rhetoric of the revolution. It's often that way. What the world tells us is the best of times, if we look just a little under the hood, pull back the curtain and see the wizard pulling the strings, is in fact the opposite. And sometimes, which seem to be the worst, are in fact when God is behind the scenes doing something amazing that will bear fruit in our lives for His glory and our good. This is the message of our readings in today's scripture. In our gospel reading, we see two people with competing demands on Jesus' time Two people seeking the miracle of healing. Two people suffering greatly. The first is Jairus, who suffers on behalf of his daughter, who we only see in the last scene of the reading. I've been blessed with two children with remarkable health, but I've walked alongside parents whose children have suffered mightily. Little Zayden at the back here has had a lot of surgeries for a man so young. Another member of our congregation spent the first 10 years of this young man's life 
going with his family back and forth to CHOP as multiple issues, multiple birth defects were redressed. Birth defects that are the result of living in a fallen world, a world under the curse of our sin. The other is this woman whom we see with a discharge, a flow of blood for over 12 years. A weeping wound is annoying to us modern Gentiles, but no great cause for concern. We bandage it up, it might be a little painful, but we deal with it and life goes on. But if you were a Jew in Jesus' time, the fact that you had a weeping sore made you ritually unclean and made anyone who touched you ritually unclean. Unable to worship, to receive the forgiveness of sins. And so this woman had endured not 12 months of social distancing, but instead 12 years without a touch from a loved one. People giving her a wide berth in the street lest, lest they be contaminated and unable to participate in the things of God. During the pandemic, we've seen the rate of depression and suicide, addiction and abuse rise. We're not made to be alone. And this is what this woman has endured. She spent all her resources on snake oil salesmen who couldn't deliver the cure. She suffered in every possible way. A suffering father, a suffering child, a suffering woman all seeking healing from Jesus. The synagogue leader does it the way we would expect a rabbi to do it. He presents himself and prostrates himself at the feet of the one he acknowledges to be the greater rabbi and implores Jesus to come and heal his daughter. He pays every Every social convention he pays more than lip service and gives great honor to Jesus in the streets. The woman, perhaps afraid that Jesus would not come near her as a rabbi because it would make him ritually unclean, seeks to steal blessing from Jesus. And yet, she is the one who receives her healing immediately. Whereas Jairus, prior to watching his daughter raised up from her deathbed, has to hear the news that she has died and suffer as only a parent can when their child has died untimely. Why? Both our scripture readings for last week and this week have us buried in the question of if God loves us, why suffering? Why does he let us endure pain? Scripture gives many, many reasons. There's not one good answer. We won't have time to explore them all this morning, but we'll look at one of them. In his, the book, beginning of his book, The Problem of Pain, C.S. Lewis says something wonderful that I think speaks truly to our human nature. He says, We can rest contentedly in our sins and in our stupidities, 
I know I can. I'm reading a book right now on the rise of apathyism. Not atheism, not people who resent God and claim he doesn't exist, but apathyism. People who just don't care one way or another. We can indeed rest contentedly in our sins and our stupidities. Lewis goes on, he says, Everyone who has watched gluttons shoveling down the most exquisite foods as if they did not know what they were eating will admit that we can even ignore pleasure. But pain, pain insists on being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our consciences, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. I couldn't have guessed as I was looking ahead at today's reading that I would blow out my back Wednesday and have to stand there, <laughs> barely, um, barely able to stand straight. I guess the Lord wanted this sermon to have the punch of authenticity. <laughs> A reading from Lamentations gives us one reason why God may permit us to experience suffering and pain. If you're unfamiliar with the book of Lamentations, its traditional author is Jeremiah, and everyone's agreed on this, Christians and Jews alike. If you know the ministry of Jeremiah, Jeremiah had the very pleasant task of telling the city of Jerusalem over and over again that God was about to let it be destroyed by its neighbor to the north because it was persistent in its sin and its idolatry. Not only did God ask him to preach this unwelcome message, he did lots of fun what are called prophetic sign acts, where he enacted the destruction of Jerusalem, doing things like wandering around in a sackcloth and ashes, mourning for the city in advance. People thought he was a little crazy. And they ignored his warnings. And so after the destruction of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple, Jeremiah laments. Not only grieves the places he will never see again, the streets he walked down and played in as a, as a child, the beautiful temple he will never worship in again for the holy things of God have been taken captive and carried off But for the people, destroyed, dead, in exile themselves because they would not heed the warning God sent him to give. This is the book of Lamentations. But the chapter 3 that we heard from today is the book's theological climax, Max. It's where... In spite of appearances, Jeremiah affirms the goodness of God and what God is doing even in the midst of what seems to be tragedy. He says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. It is good, he says, that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. That is the yoke of suffering. He's speaking to his exiled people and even to himself. It's good that we should have the pain we have and wait quietly for the Lord. 
He goes on, Let him sit alone in silence when it is laid on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him give his cheek to the one who strikes. Let him be filled with insults. That is, let him experience not just pain, but shame and learn from it. Remember, this suffering is so that the people could be brought to repentance and learn to esteem living a holy life more than having a rich and well-furnished home and city that is the envy of their neighbors. Jeremiah goes on, The Lord will not cast off forever. But though he caused grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love, for he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. He does not afflict from his heart. That's the center of this piece. It's not God's desire that we should experience pain in the fullest sense. God doesn't want us to experience pain. He wants us to experience wholeness, abundance of life which can only be found when our character begins to be transformed into the character of Jesus. So that if we are content in our sins and our stupidities, He may need to let us have a little pain to wake us up and draw us, draw us back to a life that is really life-giving. So that whether we experience great abundance in this world or great poverty, either can be a blessing to us and to those whom we love. Whether we experience being at the top of the heap and riding the crest of the wave or pain and difficulty, our character might be transformed more and more to be like his own, that of steadfast love. God's deepest desire is not to afflict us, but to give us true life, life that is life-giving. So Jeremiah is saying, to put it bluntly, it's good for the disappointment that the people are suffering to not see the salvation of the Lord, or at least not to see it immediately, so that our faith in His goodness and our trust in His ultimate purposes might grow in the absence of evidence to that effect. So we can trust that he's playing the long game for our benefit. Now Jesus will come along, long after the ministry of Jeremiah, and affirm for us that not all suffering is caused by sin. That was a mistake that the Pharisees made. But some, some is permitted when we sin that we might learn not to sin. What the New Testament does affirm for us, along with the book of Lamentations, in many places, like Romans 8, is that God does not afflict from his heart, but that whatever suffering we endure, whether it be, as our young lady said during the children's sermon, at the hands of a bully, whether it be because we live in a broken world or even our genome is falling apart and birth defects are part of what it means to be a human being. Whether we sinned and need to come to repentance, 
Or we just need to learn to bear our cross along with Jesus. Whatever reason there is for the pain in our lives, God's ultimate desire for us is for good. And that when we trust in Him, trust in His goodness, we will come out on the other side of that suffering and find our wounds healed, our children healed and raised up, and all restored to us that we thought lost forever. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Romans 8.28 Faith is learning to know that that is true. Professor Bruce Waltke tells the story from his own experience of the difference between mere suffering and suffering with faith. They have a cat and um, their cat caught a small wren and was playing with it. They rescued the bird from the cat. And although the, the bird had a broken wing, as they tried to take the bird in to get the wing set by the veterinarian, it struggled and fought against them. It scratched them. It pecked them. It cheeped pitifully in fear. This is suffering, the result of living in a world that lives by the law of the jungle because of our sin. But then he contrasts that with the suffering of his daughter. His daughter contracted a disease that required a, an injection of antibiotic. I don't know if you know this, no kids really look forward to shots. That was actually my, the first blows I took at the hands of my son were when he got, a, got one in the tush and he popped me for it because I was the one in front of him. <laughs> when his daughter, when his daughter needed to receive the shot, she too didn't want the suffering any more than the little bird. But she held fast to her father's neck and buried her head in his sleeve and said, No, Daddy, no, Daddy, no, Daddy, no, Daddy, no. Until it was over. She knew in the midst of the pain whom she could trust. And she clung to him ever more fervently. That is what it is to suffer with faith. In our Gospel reading today, both Jairus and the woman with the discharge of blood suffer. As a parent, I guess, in my estimation, Jairus suffers more. The woman's had the affliction of being alone. Then she has a moment of shame when she has to own up to the fact that she tried to steal what she didn't have the courage to ask for. Jairus has the pain, albeit momentary of losing the child he loves. But here's the point. Though both suffer, and suffer in different ways, though both really don't know exactly how to reach out for Jesus in the right way, that's exactly what they do. They reach out for Jesus, who alone 
can heal them, who alone can bring an end, a final end, to their suffering, both in this world and the next. Although they don't know how, Jesus receives them both and grants their request. How can we adequately praise a God who will receive sinners like us on whatever terms we reach out for Him? But praise Him we must. Will you join me for a word of prayer? Lord, we learn from your Son that it is no sin to wish to avoid suffering. From the night in which he was betrayed, even he prayed that the cup of suffering might pass him by. But we learn also from him to accept the suffering that comes. Whether it be from the fact that we live in a broken world, whether it be that we might come be brought to repentance and learn not to sin, or any number of other reasons that you might permit suffering in our lives. Help us to be like Jesus and trust in the goodness of your plan when we suffer. Draw us ever through. Make our faith rise that we have the courage to face whatever it is we endure, knowing that in the end, all who cry out to you in faith and trust will receive what they are asking for and have all their losses restored. This we pray, O Lord, in the precious name of Jesus. For he lives and he reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Be thou my best thought in the day and the